Hey everyone, welcome to Take Heart Today. You may remember that about a week ago we looked at the story of Judas betraying Jesus. And there's this line, when Judas leaves the upper room, it just says, and it was night. Well, as a church, we're still reading through the gospel and we're up to John chapter 18. It's still nighttime. It's the same night that Judas has slipped out to betray Jesus. And Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I love the account of the arrest of Jesus in John's gospel. Just like uh, any four witnesses have a different version of the same event, just because they have a different take on it. So the four gospel writers each tell us a bit of a different story about the same event, the same thing that happened in Gethsemane. And I love John's account of the arrest of Jesus. So this big crowd of armed soldiers turn up to take Jesus. And it says this of verse 4, chapter 18. Jesus, knowing all that was about to happen to him, so he's not caught by surprise, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This is like supposing a whole load of riot police burst into this room right now when I'm recording Take Heart and they're armed, you know, they've got their, their batons and their shields and some of them have got guns and they've got these big helmets on and, and I turn around and I say to them, who are you looking for? And they say, Andy of Watford. And I say to them, I am he. And then they collapse to the ground. Batons going everywhere, shields going everywhere, guns, helmets falling off. They literally fall on the ground in front of me. And then I lean over and I say, who is it that you're looking for again? And they say, Andy of Watford. And I say, it's me. You know what? You can arrest me if you want to. That's what happens. And they get up and we're told that they, they bind Jesus. I just love that little picture. This is the only gospel account that tells us they bound Jesus, as if like that's gonna make any difference when he can make them all fall over just by, just by saying, I am he. It's like me trying to capture a lion by putting an elastic band around him or something. Like, they bind Jesus up and he goes with them. But what happens in that moment? What's going on? Well, in, in the original Greek that the gospel was written in, Jesus doesn't actually say, I am he, even though that's how it's translated. He just says, I am. And that's a really significant phrase on the lips of Jesus, and it's scattered throughout John's gospel. It's the name of God. So when Moses goes to the burning bush and meets God in Exodus chapter 3, God says, my name is I am. Jesus in this moment says, I am, and they all fall over. The way that I picture it is, is it's a bit like a winter's day, you know, one of those really overcast days that we're having at the moment and everything's grey and the clouds are just like this giant ceiling. And then occasionally there's a moment where the clouds part and this shaft of sunlight comes through and it's almost blinding in its brilliance. And just for a second you get a glimpse and then, and then the clouds come back again. It's a bit like that. They come near to Jesus and they're drawing near to him and he says, I am. And it's as if for a moment, like the veil is pulled back and they realize who it is that they're approaching. That it's not just that he's fully human, but that he is God Almighty. He's fully God. His glory is revealed for a few minutes. And whenever the glory of God shows up, people can't stand. They, they fall on their faces and so they fall before him. And then it's as if the clouds come back or the veil comes back and, and he says, you can arrest me if you want to. 
What does this account, what does it say to us for today? Well, um, I think it, I think of it a bit like this, right? Imagine we're at a football match together and our team is losing. And we look at the scoreboard and it says 2-0. And we look at the, the opposition fans and they're all cheering and they're jeering. And then we look around, we look at our own uh, fans, the ones on our team, and they're looking pretty despondent and discouraged and a bit flat. That tells us a story, doesn't it? It tells us a story of defeat, a story of loss. But then imagine we look at our star player right there on the pitch, the Diego Maradona of 2020. And we know this guy and we've seen him play and we know what he can do. We know he can tear whole teams apart. He can take, he can turn the whole game around really in just a matter of moments. We know what he's like and we look at his face and we see that it's a face that is calm, that is composed. Everything about him says, I am in charge. That tells us a second story. If the first is a story of defeat, the second is a story of hope. It's a whisper of victory. Well, when we read this account of Jesus' arrest, it can be a bit like that. You know, we can look at the fact that there's a crowd of, of armed people with, a, with an, an intent, really, of murder. We can look at Judas, Jesus' friend, who's just stabbed him in the back after all those years of Jesus serving him. He's just turned around and done that. We can look at the disciples, the rest of them, who just legged it, ran away, betrayed, abandoned Jesus in that sense. And that tells us, even the fact that it's nighttime is just symbolic of the fact that darkness has fallen and darkness almost seems like it's ruling in this particular moment. And that tells us a story of loss and a story of despair. But John makes it clear, the place we're to look is at the star player, our champion, if you will, Jesus himself. And we look at him in the midst of everything else that is going around. And undoubtedly, we see someone who is in control. We see someone who gives us hope for victory. I love the way uh, that Christians used to go through baptism back in the day as part of the preparation for being baptised. One of the things that they would do, and we talk about the early church here, is those who are about to be baptised, they would have this really long preparation process for baptism that would last years. And then the night that they were about to be baptised, the, the, the morning of rather, uh, so they would be baptised often on Easter morning. And then the night before, they would have an all night prayer vigil. And what they would do is they would go to uh, a darkened church or what they would use for a church. And it would be pitch black and there would be a candle that they would light. And they would sit in the darkness, looking towards the lit candle, looking towards the light and meditating on it. And then in the morning, they would get up as the sun was rising and they would turn towards the darkness and they would renounce the darkness and they would turn towards the light and they would receive Jesus. And at that point, they would be baptized. But I just think that picture has so much to say to us for how to live as Christians, particularly um, in a world that feels more dark than normal right now and where we look around us and it tells us a certain story and the story can be not always not every day but a lot of the time at the moment it can be a story that's discouraging and that's full of pain and seeming loss I don't know about you but I look in the mirror sometimes at the moment and that's what I see sometimes defeat sometimes things that I've been trying to change in my life and that they're not changing and I want to give up and those can be the things that we look at and that can be the story that we believe but in the story of the Gospels, the story of Jesus, 
we're told this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so although we sit sometimes in darkness and we don't deny the reality of it, we actually accept that suffering is, is horrific and it's happening all the time. But in the midst of this, the place that we find hope and the place that we find courage and encouragement is to look towards he who is the light of the world. And in his face, we'll see compassion. In his face, we'll see sorrow and grief as he, as he shares with us the burden of suffering and hates it. But we will also see a face of someone who is totally sovereign, completely in control, the face of God Almighty himself. And we will find as we look at his face, not just a hint of victory, but an assurance of it. We will see in him, in his eyes, the utter determination that he has to bring, um, to bring wholeness, from brokenness and to bring victory from defeat. And if that sounds lofty, all I'm really saying is it's when we look at him and it's when we come close to him. In the midst of everything else, we find courage, comfort and confidence. Today, what I'm saying to myself and what I'd encourage all of us to do is to look to Jesus because he sets the tone and his story is the greatest story and it's the story of victory and the story of hope. God bless.